Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, Ross and Jeremy were drawn to this word breakthrough as the focus for our new year. So I started to look in the Bible for what does breakthrough mean. And I have forgotten that it was one of God's names. And in the Old Testament, he is called the God of breakthrough. So I had a renewed interest in this word breakthrough because it's, it's more than just a, a word. It is an aspect of who God is. So today we're briefly going to touch on when God was given this name and how it lays a bedrock for us to experience more breakthroughs in our lives. And it's not just a breakthrough from something, but we want to break into something. Because one of the things that, uh, one of the problems I see in myself and others too often is that we often seek a breakthrough without God. You know, like we need to turn around in our finances or our health or our family. And we just tend to just lean into our own strength, our own ingenuity. And this approach um, often results in frustration, doesn't it? And it's not because that God doesn't want you to have a breakthrough and do it on your own, but because he wants you to learn how to receive it from him. Because that's a breakthrough that's going to last. But this tendency that we have for self-sufficiency, it reminds me of that common saying. I had it on a plaque that was given to me by a guy friend in college. God helps those who help themselves. Anybody remember that? You know, I thought it was a Bible verse until Ross was in my dorm room and he, he really questioned that. And I'm like, and I'm not alone in that because it is one of the most quoted phrases that people mistakenly think it's in the Bible. And this phrase is actually the opposite of what the Bible teaches us. Um, that God, because God helps the helpless. In Isaiah 25, it declares, For you have been a defense for the helpless, a defense for the needy in the, his distress, a refuge from the storm, and a shade from the heat. Romans 5 tells us that when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us as sinners. You know, I never was quite sure whether Ross wanted me to get rid of that plaque because of its poor theology or because some other guy gave it to me. I don't know. Um, but he did make his point. And the saying should be, God helps those who cannot help themselves. And that truth speaks to us right where we are because we need God to bring a breakthrough in certain key areas in each one of our lives. Because each one of us, we have areas that we're helpless of, that we can't do it on our own efforts. Or even if we can get to a certain vantage point in this area, God wants to bring even more breakthrough than we thought possible. So where did the God of the breakthrough first come in? We first see as this, this Lord of the breakthrough or the Lord who burst through in a military context involving King David. Now years earlier, David had conquered the Philistine giant Goliath. And here again, we see years later, David was again preparing to face battle against the Philistines in the Valley of Rephaim, which means the Valley of Trouble. And so by this time, David is an accomplished, he's a gifted military leader, having fought and won numerous battles. So let's see that David's approach when he is needing a breakthrough from the enemy. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up in search of David and heard of it and went out against him. Now the Philistines had come and had made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the, the Philistines, and will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to them, Go up, for I will give them into your hand. 
So they came up to Baal Perezim, and David defeated them there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of waters. Other versions say that that breakthrough of waters is like a breaking or a raging flood flowing through. And therefore, the Bible says, they named that place Baal Perizim, which means the Lord who burst through or the Lord of the breakthrough. So with all of his expertise and his wisdom, David knew that the first step in any kind of breakthrough is to inquire, to pray first. Before taking action, he sought God's guidance, and it led to victory. And then David just celebrated for himself and all of Israel by renaming this valley of trouble to a valley where it says God is the God of breakthroughs. The story goes on to tell us that the Philistines did abandon their gods and they fled at that time, but then they later returned and they raided the valley one more time. So even though David just had this memory still fresh in his mind of this victory, he did not assume what he should do. So he again, first step was he prayed. He listened for the Lord's strategy and he discovered that God had a very different approach this time. And we go on to read, And the Philistines yet again made a raid in the valley. And when David again inquired of God, God said to him, You shall not go up after them, go around, and come against them in the opposite by the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then go out to battle. For God has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army from Gibeon to Gezer. And the fame of David went into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. Wait until you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the balsam trees. I'm like, what does that sound like? Have you ever, I mean, I was trying to think, would, you know, did Patton say that? Would he have ever said something like that? Like, um, and what does it sound like to have that marching of the tops of the balsam trees sound? Um, some scholars say that that sound was like the sound of horses' hooves or like an army advancing in battle. It was reminding me of this, um, of a song that EJ, he wrote, um, the, the Lord of Heaven's Armies. That's the concept and the power and the sound. And it just reminds us how God loves to switch up how he wants to bring breakthrough to us. So the key again to breakthrough is that when that was David inquired, he prayed, and then he obeyed what he believed God wanted him to do. David learned that you, you do not want to lean on your own strength, your own understanding, your own expertise, but you seek God first. So this is our purpose for today, is to bring home this truth that where there is no prayer, there is no real breakthrough. And so to help my heart and my mind wrap around this name of God, this God of the breakthrough, I started my journal um, titling in my phone. It's called 2019, the year of the breakthroughs. And I found this picture um, that someone created titled the Lord of the Breakthroughs. And it's based upon the story that we just read. And I love what she was doing. She was trying to get this concept of this raging water that can flow like when a dam is broken. That's what it's supposed to be reflecting of. And that the sound of the army could be like horses' hooves and just the power that comes from it. It's, it's liking it to a dam that breaks open. It brings God's hope and victory. And another, so I have this in my journal. And then another picture is um, from, for any of you Lord of the Rings fans, we have any in here today? But I love the one where Tolkien, he also encapsulates this God of the breakthrough. And it's when Arwen is trying to rescue Frodo and they're being chased. And it looks like there's absolutely no way out and they're going to be captured. So Arwen then summons an enormous horse stampede shaped tidal wave. And it knocks out all the servants of the Dark Lord. So again, it's that picture of God's power that is to help 
build our faith for the kind of breakthrough that he wants to bring. So since prayer is the bedrock of real breakthrough, let's talk about it. And if we're honest, how would you describe your prayer life right now? I mean, when it comes to prayer, there have been many times in my life where I've slipped into this uh, idea of treating prayer like kind of breaking the glass on the fire extinguisher case, you know, break for emergency purposes only. Uh, when I'm in a bind, I pray fervently and passionately, God, get me out of this particular situation. When I'm not in a tough spot, I am really tempted to let prayer and my prayer life kind of dip. Maybe it's a quick prayer before a meal as my head is hitting the pillow. Or, and sometimes the difficulty in, in our prayer lives is, is the challenges and the disappointments that we face, the lack of seeing breakthrough that brings this sense of complacency, and we question, why pray? If I were to ask you, What are some of the things that keep you from praying? I suspect you might have a number of reasons, and many of them really, really legitimate, good reasons, just challenges that we face. We're just really busy. Schedule is so full, I I don't know when I'd pray. Or or some of you, you're you're parenting young children, you're up all hours of the night, you're just, you're exhausted, and you try to pray, and you just fall asleep, right? So some of us would say as well that I'm just kind of intimidated a little bit by prayer. I had a bad experience with prayer when I was younger. I was forced to stand up in front of a group and and pray out loud, and I was really uncomfortable, and I said some weird things, and I was a little bit embarrassed, felt a little bit stupid. It wasn't comfortable. I'm just not comfortable praying out loud in front of people. Some of you might even be as honest to say, I think prayer is just a little boring. I I just have a hard time paying attention. I'm a little ADD, and I start praying, and I go, God, Lord, God, thank you for today. Rabbit! And you're just gone, right? Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're just, you're, just, you're just out to lunch. Other plans and the whole prayer thing gets derailed. I, I, those are all things we face, right? Let's just be honest. Sometimes I just don't feel like praying. Sometimes I, I would rather worry than pray. Sometimes I'd rather complain than pray. Sometimes I'd rather sleep than pray. And sometimes I don't want to think. I just want to just turn off all my thoughts and watch something on Netflix or whatever, Right? There are all kinds of obstacles and kinds of barriers that keep us from praying. On top of that, maybe you've got questions when it comes to prayer, like, like uh, what are we supposed to pray? Uh, should we just start talking, or is there some protocol, some way we're supposed to pray, a procedure for prayer? And we've got all these crazy questions we go through in our minds that are just all of us probably thinking, how long should we pray? How long do I need to pray for my prayer life to be legitimate? Is it, is it two minutes a day? Is it five? Is it ten? Is it twenty minutes a day? What does it look like? Or what about this one? If God already knows everything, why is it even necessary to pray? For some, your answer as to why you don't pray is more that you don't think it works. I've tried that. I've prayed. I, I didn't, I didn't, God seemed to stay silent. And, and honestly, that's a really difficult place. When it seems like God's silent in the face of our prayer, it's really hard to continue to do think something when we don't see results. I get that. That's all just normal stuff we all face. It's hard not to become complacent and disappointed. And yet we know the Bible says that when we pray, God hears and responds. We know the Bible says that it's not going to give us everything we ask for, but he does respond. He wants us to hang in there. Now, we're going to dig into this challenge a little more today and a little bit over the next few weeks. My prayer is that for us as a church, we won't just study about prayer, listen to sermons about prayer, but we will become people who are more comfortable praying. That we would be a church who prays, believing that God answers, listens to one person's prayer, and something happens. So let's, let's, let's just start then with a little simple definition of prayer. The simplest I can think of is prayer is connecting to God. It's all about connection. 
we live in a society where we love being connected, uh, uh, cell phones and social media. You've got this little device in your pocket and you can be connected to anyone anywhere through text messages, social media, video, email, at any time. We love being connected and when, and when we can't be, uh, sometimes for some of us it's amazing how quickly we start to uh, feel withdrawal symptoms of not being connected. Wendy and I uh, in October went to Pennsylvania and we camped uh, in a place where there was absolutely no cell phone coverage. I loved being off the grid completely. No one could get a hold of us. But then there was also a part of me that after half a day I reached for my phone to check on some sports and news and no bars, no nothing. Absolutely nothing. When it comes to prayer, here's a question. How many bars do you have? Some of you might say, zero, my prayer life is pretty much non-existent except when a police officer pulls me over for speeding and you know, or there's something big and I shut up a little prayer. Otherwise, I'm just kind of out of network. i got no bars. No matter where you are, whether it's zero to four bars, what I hope will happen, we want to increase the signal strength that we all have. If you're intimidated by prayer, I want to hopefully remove some of that intimidation, if not all of it. If you're embarrassed by prayer, I want you to be comfortable with it. If you're uncertain in prayer, I want you to become confident in prayer. So to do that, we wanted to start in the passage in which Jesus himself teaches us how to pray. In Luke 11, 1, it begins where it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And this verse addresses that question of why should I pray if God knows everything, right? Because, because if Jesus was God himself, he still prayed, right? So if he had to pray, we should be praying. So there we were in, in, in Luke 11. Jesus was praying, and we don't know what he was praying about, but as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So in the Gospels, we don't often see the disciples asking Jesus this specific question, teach me, which is curious because you would think that after Jesus did all these miracles, you would think that you would see them saying, Jesus, would you teach us how to do these miracles? I mean, we don't see that with the water to wine thing, you know, which could have come in handy at certain, you know, events, right? Um, but, and Jesus healed people from their sicknesses, he even brought some people back from the dead. And I, I don't know about you, but I would want to ask Jesus, can you teach me how to do that? Like, I'm going to have a family member who, who's going to get sick or, or someday die, and I want to know how to do that. The disciples didn't ask, teach us to do miracles. And Jesus, he was the best preacher ever, right? He preached a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, which is celebrated by those that don't even follow Jesus as one of the best messages ever given. Afterwards, the disciples, they didn't go up to him and say, Jesus, that was amazing. Can you give me a few pointers on how to preach like that? They never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach, but they did ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. And what's interesting about that is, is that out of all the miracles in the preaching, prayer was the one thing that they probably knew how to do. When they were very young Jewish boys, from a very early age, they would have been taught how to pray. Now, these prayers may have been more daily and ritualistic maybe, but we see that at least one of the disciples coming to him say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. There must have been something so compelling, so distinct, so different about the way that Jesus connected to God that made them say, we need you to teach us how to pray, which tells us that prayer is something that we can learn. There are not some people who are prayers and some of us that aren't. There aren't people that are just super uber spiritual and we are not. It's just not true. So regardless of your comfort level or your ability to pray, we can all learn to pray better because that's what the disciples asked of Jesus. And Jesus didn't reprimand them. He didn't belittle them. He says, sure, I will teach you how to pray. So if you feel intimidated or uncertain or unsure of how to pray, it's okay. If you feel guilty 
over your lack of prayer or, or embarrassed over your ability to pray, it's okay too because so were the disciples. And Jesus is more than willing to teach us how to pray. So he gives us a model. Many of you might remember it from the King James or the NIV, and that is great, but I'm going to um, read it from the NLT to see it from a little bit of a different angle. So Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Jesus said, This is how I want you to pray. He didn't say this is what is what you should pray. He said, this is how you should pray. He didn't intend it to be like this rote prayer that we recite. It's a pattern. It's a guide of things that direct our thinking about how we're supposed to pray. And so the big idea that Jesus is drilling down here is that prayer is not a performance. It's an opportunity to be real, to talk to him the way that we would to anybody that we know really, really well. And sometimes we just make it way too complicated and too hard. You know, we get self-conscious, you know, about what we're saying. Um, we don't want to say the wrong thing. And we can make it really, really weird or hard. Um, one of that, it reminds me of the classic scene from Meet the Parents. Do you remember where that scene where Ben Stiller goes home with his girlfriend to meet her parents for the very first time? And he's really, really nervous about it. And they're sitting around the table. And on top of that, her father is Robert De Niro, which would be terrifying, right? Um, And he asks um, Ben Stiller to pray. And so even though Ben Stiller is normally laid back, Stiller, when he prays, he all of a sudden becomes very different. You can watch this one. Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, O sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly laid at our table this day and each day. By day, day by day, by day. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. <laughs> to love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. My day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. (laughs) Yeah, I I love how they look at him like, who are you? Why are you talking that way? We complicate prayer, and we can make it uncomfortable and a little bit weird. Because I think God, like one of my favorite prayers is just, God, help me. Not complicated whatsoever. Um, We can also make prayer a little bit weird and complicated when we twist the focus of the prayers. And and sometimes we use a prayer to give a message to somebody else rather than connecting with God. Like sometimes a message we want to get to a spouse or a friend or maybe our kids. Uh, I've been guilty of this. You have to tell me if you have. But um, sometimes when when our kids were younger, we'd be at the table and we'd be praying. And I would say, God, thank you for this food. And God, we just, we want to just 
thank you that you will help us to have a better attitude tonight before bed. And, and God, um, we just thank you that you, would, you just are so good to help us to not be unkind to our siblings that we have a tendency to do in the past. And, and just thank you that you help us to listen to um, our mom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we complicate it because who am I talking to, really? I'm talking to them and not to God in any way. So we make it too difficult sometimes. And God is just saying, be yourself. Just share with me what's on your mind, what you're concerned about, because I'm your heavenly dad. And so through the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives us this pattern where he invites us to be real in talking with him. Pardon me. There's so much more to this prayer. Just because the Lord's Prayer is simple uh, doesn't mean it's not profound. It's very profound. And Jesus goes on in the next verse right after the Lord's Prayer, and he says this, Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story, is what it says. And then he goes on and starts telling the story. He says, Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves. Okay, so... Obviously, you're not a very good friend and very good neighbor because you're waking your friend up at midnight because you need three loaves of bread. The story goes on. So you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. So get, the, get this. Here's the scenario. You have a friend visiting you from out of town and you forgot to go to Costco to get enough food. So you have absolutely nothing in your home to feed him. At, at late at night. So you wake up the neighbor in the middle of the night and you say, I need you to give me some bread so I can feed my friend. The story goes on, Jesus says, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom. So, so understand this. This is really kind of funny. The neighborhood neighbor didn't even bother to get out of bed. He hears the knock on the door and he just yells down from his bed, don't bother me. The door is locked. It's night. My family and all are in bed. I'm in my PJs. I don't want to get out of bed and come down. It's cold. So your friend is basically saying, what are you thinking? You're waking me up. You're waking the baby up. If I get up, everybody's going to wake up and then nobody's going to sleep. We're all going to be cranky tomorrow. This is, this is not going to be good. I'm sorry you didn't prepare for your friend's arrival. Just go and have him pretend he's going to eat a sandwich and call me in the morning. Don't bother me. That's the thought. It's this, this thoughtless, rude neighbor. That's what's going on here. Jesus goes on to explain. Uh, he says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. So here's the point that we think Jesus is making. Your friend may not get up in the middle of the night and give you bread just because he's your friend, but he will get up in the middle of the night and give you bread just to get you off his porch and could make you stop knocking and bothering him. So, what in the world is Jesus actually saying? I mean, think about this. If I'm the friend going to God's house at midnight asking God for bread, is he telling me God is my, God is my friend in bed who wants to tell me to buzz off, get away from my porch, or is he finally going to just get out and just so he can get me off his porch, just put up with me and just to get rid of me? Uh, that, that if we think about it like that, it kind of makes God look not very loving, not very gracious, not very kind, right? I mean, here's the thing about parables. They almost always have just one main point. There may be some points surrounding that, but just one main point. Jesus' main point in this is not to teach us about the character of God. Jesus is teaching in this parable about prayer. And he says, listening, listen, the primary ingredient to prayer is that you should, that you should never forget is to be persistent. Jesus says in verse 11, 9, right after this, he says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. That sounds like a promise, right? 
God doesn't say, you could do this, you might keep on asking. He says, no, keep on asking. And this is actually touches back again to some of the, we all face in prayer, we get discouraged because we ask God and he's not answering. It doesn't seem to be answering and we just, it's hard to keep asking. And what's up with that? And Jesus tells us here, he goes on in the text and says, I want you to keep on seeking and you will find, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. And here's what Jesus is saying. The primary thing he desires from us is to pray and to never give up, to pray and to always be persistent because he has something much bigger for us to discover than granting just whatever we're asking of him in that moment. If we persist in prayer, it becomes more than a transaction. It becomes a conversation. Mm -hmm. See, there's a big, big difference between transaction and conversation, isn't there? A transaction is this kind of one-and-done thing. You, the transaction goes, I present my order to God, God answers that, we go on my merry way, and you know, I may or may not talk to him again. It's just fine. I got what I needed, right? But a conversation is ongoing. It's two-way. It's relational. It's continual. It's persistent. It's kind of like when you go to the drive-thru at Starbucks. You, you, you talk to the person at the window. There's a very distinct way you communicate. You, you want your order. You want it quickly and efficiently and really nothing else. That's all you want. You want your drink, uh, which is quite different than if you park your car, you get out of your car, you go into Starbucks, you sit down at a table with a cup of coffee and have a conversation with a friend. That's very different. It's not a transaction. It's a conversation. And Jesus is simply saying, listen, I don't want you to treat prayer like a transaction. It's a conversation with me. A conversation is ongoing. When Jesus says everyone who asks receives, he's not saying you'll get exactly what you ask for. He's saying in your persistence, a couple things will happen. Your intimacy will begin to grow and take shape between you and God. You will know him more, and he will reveal even how much he knows you more. And, and you'll begin to perceive how God is at work in your life, and you'll no longer ask for just a quick fix to the problem. You're no longer looking for a bailout. You are no longer treating prayer like that glass over the fire extinguisher. Instead, you become more interested in who God is rather than what he can give you. And when you get to that place, prayer becomes something fruitful, fulfilling, and dynamic. I know the whole thing about persistence in prayer is can sometimes difficult for me, and I think maybe for many of us, because persistence can feel repetitive and boring. Like, I've prayed this before, like, and I don't want to hear it again. I don't know why God would. Um, or maybe I'm doing this wrong, you know. And, and doesn't Jesus even tell us in the Bible that repetitive prayers aren't what he wants? It says here, when you pray, Jesus says, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. So praying by simply repeating a word or a phrase over and over again that's mechanical, it can sometimes almost have a superstitious kind of feel or a magic formula, that is unbiblical. Because prayer is about connection, not mechanical reciting of phrases. But the difference between repetitive prayer and persistence prayer is our focus. For example, um, when the, in the Lord's Prayer, he, Jesus tells us, give us this day our daily bread. That's one of our prayers. But we're not told to keep asking over and over again for that because the Lord's Prayer embedded in it is this understanding that God is our Heavenly Father and He is committed to meeting our needs. 
Persistent prayer has more to do with digging in, putting your feet down in those places where we need to get a breakthrough. Those things that we haven't seen the change that we need to have, that's where we go into that persistent prayer. God wants us to persistently pray to see that these dreams come to be because it's in that process of persisting that he changes us. One of the ways that we are changed through persistent prayer, or another way we could say being prayerful, is seeing where the Lord says, and don't lead us into temptation. Prayer changes us. It helps us to resist temptation. We see this clearly when Jesus prayed to the point when he was sweating blood, when he was in the garden right before the cross. Luke 22 says that an angel appeared from heaven to strengthen him. The disciples, including Peter, who was just told, if you remember, that he was going to betray Jesus three times, they were asked to pray with Jesus at that time. Yet they all fell asleep. And clearly that is not persisting in prayer, right? God had invited them to pray where they could have experienced an angel strengthening them for what was to come. And it makes you wonder, if Peter had persisted in prayer with Jesus, would he have been so strengthened and not have given into that temptation to deny him? Because what we know is that Jesus has made a way for each and every one of us to have the Holy Spirit and to strengthen our heart. And prayer strengthens us. Because in in my life, I know that when I don't keep a heart connection to God through regular and consistent prayer, I am much more vulnerable to temptation. I can tell at times when I'm more prone to frustration and irritation with that guy. Um, When I'm more vulnerable to be fearful and anxious, my heart is more vulnerable to temptation when I am without prayer. Because God never puts us in a place of temptation. It's our heart that makes a situation where we can get into temptation. And when we practice prayer, when we stay persistent in it, prayer, when we stay prayfulness, um, we have more of an awareness of what's in our heart, what's in God's heart, and, in, and we get more discernment about circumstances that we find ourselves in. When we aren't in a place of prayerfulness, we're going to be more tempted. It's going to be more difficult to muster up the strength to say no to it. A lack of persistent prayer, it robs us of strength, of creativity, and energy because we're constantly fighting battles that were never designed to fight alone. Prayer helps us to draw upon God's strength, which is so superior to anything else that we can muster up. It makes our eyes more clear, unclutters them so that we can see what is really real. Prayer is all about us getting into connection and into an alignment with God. I mean, it's a little bit like a chiropractor, right? Because if you've ever gone to a chiropractor once, you're not going to totally get fixed, right? You have to go to be adjusted again and then adjusted again and adjusted again. Because most of the time our attitude in prayer can be like, God, here's my problem. I need you to intervene. Here's what I need you to do. And God is like, no, actually what I want you to do is I want you to get in alignment to what I'm already doing. Jesus says, everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened in that same passage. What this indicates to us is that prayer is never meant to be a passive thing. Prayer is not you praying and asking God for whatever you want and then saying, God, you heard my prayer and I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to answer it. Jesus goes on, he says, after you pray in obedience, you need to go seek it out. In obedience, you need to now go pursue it. Even if you don't, even if you haven't heard God, you need to take actions, little steps to keep seeking out the answer to that with God and in life. Or if you've heard God, you need to take the step of whatever you've heard, even if it's not the whole answer, like David did. He listened, and then he acted. And as a result, David saw God do breakthroughs in his life. You see, once we hear, we put action to the things we understand. 
Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk more about some action steps. We're actually going to spend more of our time the next few weeks in this series looking at the life of Joseph as an illustration of this. And we're going to talk about how we break through from hurt to healing, how we break through from discouragement to hope, how we break through from temptation to freedom, how we break through from the drivenness of success to this rich place of contentment. And how we break through personally from who we are to who we believe God wants us to be and who we want to be in life. When we prayerfully interact with God and Scripture, prayer always leads us to action. So for today, here's the thing. Sometimes God answers prayer by changing our circumstances. Much of the time, God answers prayer by changing me. Persistence means we keep asking. We trust that God says not yet in that waiting because we know that that not yet means that he has something really much better for waiting for us. Waiting is not God's silent treatment. He's not angry with you, and you needn't have even done anything wrong. One of the most beautiful things that I get to see in counseling is when someone participates, they are persisting. They are waiting. And there's such a process to redemption, isn't there? You get to see people at some of their darkest places where they have no hope, where they feel like God is so distant and keeping good things from them. And they want change now because the pain is so bad now, right? But then you start seeing this redemption take form. And they learn how to release something that they never thought that they could live without. And then sometimes in weeks and in months and sometimes even years, they see how God is changing them and preparing them for something beautiful. And sometimes that is even better than that they could ever have hoped for and imagined. So our encouragement today is that hang in there. Keep persisting, seeing the breakthrough that you want. Allow God to keep changing you. And I want you to grapple with one major question because it gets to the root of why we can be resistant to want to persist in prayer. And that question is, do you trust him? And I'm not looking for a church answer. I'm looking for, do you really trust him? Because I know if I trusted God more, I would converse with him more. I would pray more. My lack of prayer is a direct statement of my level of trust in him. Because if I trusted God, I am saying that I'm going to bet the whole farm on God. And if I believe that, I would pray way more often, way more passionately than I do. So some action steps for this week. Uh, Really, we're going to go back to, I think, what we talked about the first week and, and even the second week. I just want to encourage you to take some short, some small times to just pause and pray all throughout the day just short and focused times where you might say god i'm i'm feeling this now help me help me understand this and help me to live through what i'm feeling better right now god i i have this decision to make would you just weigh in on it would you just lead me in whatever decision and you're making at work or at home or or god this person i just talked to is hurting and and can you come and bring healing and to their lives and show me how i can be a part of caring for them and maybe maybe those short kind of moments of prayer all throughout the day maybe they happen three times a day 20, 10 times a day 20 times a day for you as you pause between various activities and just decisions and things you're going about doing in your normal course of the day and if you really want to grow in prayer and you want to experience god i want to encourage you to pray with others if you're in a small group pray with others pray with your friend pray with your family persist in prayer together see we 
We make, uh, we make time for uh, you to receive prayer every Sunday, but we want to encourage you to do it all throughout the week with your family, with your friends, with your small group. There's also a special time where you can get, if you just want to have somebody pray for you, you just want to be soaked in prayer by other people praying for you. Uh, School of Kingdom uh, ministry class members and graduates are going to be doing something on February 5th during the evening here where you can come and you can just come and say, I just need prayer. And they'll spend 10, 15, if you want 20 or 30 minutes praying for you. And God shows up so oftentimes. Some of the most powerful times for me where God has shown up is when I've just allowed other people to pray for me in that way. So if you want to grow in prayer, take those short steps this week. Just put those short pauses in your day where you just, you just talk to God about what's going on with you and your life in that moment. And allow other people into your life to pray with them as well. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we thank you so much for your presence with us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you pursue us. Thank you that even though we, we say we trust you, but our lives demonstrate otherwise, that you love us so much and you still just encourage us and say, come on, just persist. Just keep praying. Keep coming to me. You invite us to come to you, God, even when we feel like we don't deserve coming there. So Lord, I pray that you just help us all grow this week, take more steps this week in delighting in your presence, in delighting in turning towards you, in discovering the power that you want to bring into our lives to break through things that we don't even believe can change by you leading us and speaking to us and changing us because we pray, because we come to you, we release the burdens to you, and we bring your, your presence to us in that moment. So come, Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship, would you even come right now that yeah. we would encounter your presence even right now as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at gotoquest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.